You were in Phoenix uh, recently? Nice. It's... Yeah, yeah, I was in Phoenix uh, in, on the first week of February for a couple of days. Nice. Yeah, this is the time of year to be here. Hey, Sean, I see Sean's on the mic. Hey, what's up, Sean? Hey, Mikey, how are you today? Hanging in there, man. Doing well, doing well. Hopefully you had a good Sunday. And we have Taylor. Are you you tired or really awake, Kay? No, I'm used to it now, so I did lose one hour of sleep, so I'll probably uh, sleep early today or tomorrow, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Well, we'll get into these charts and wake everybody up. How's that sound? Sounds good plan. Yeah, it's been a, a wild week, obviously, last week, and uh, big news with bank failures, obviously, taking the headlines, um, and then just looking at performance across the board, um, some staggering numbers. So we had been talking about double-digit positive performance for the year for a couple of weeks, and now, uh, ooh, big, big, big down week, right? So S&P was down 4.5%, so basically flat on the year now, up just over a half percent. Dow is down 4.4, uh, NASDAQ was down 4.7, so the, the Dow is now in negative territory for the year, down 3.7%, and uh, we're down to single-digit positive territory for NASDAQ at plus 6.42 on the year. The Russell got beat up, Russell 2K is down 8%, it's basically flat on the year now at 0.65 to the positive, and then Bitcoin also has been... We were up uh, 40% not too long ago, year to date, and now it is uh, right around 24%. I didn't check. I checked a few hours ago. I'm not sure if there's big movements uh, more recently, uh, but with all the news going on, I wouldn't be surprised if there was. So it's been uh, obviously a rough week for everybody, um, traders, investors alike. Uh, I don't think we have too much in the way of earnings coming up. Kay, did you notice any big names that you're interested in this week? Yeah, um Funny you, 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 you asked that. So we have Adobe uh, reporting earnings on Wednesday. We yeah. have FedEx reporting earnings on Thursday after close. Uh, so these two are big names. Like one is from the SaaS side and one can one actually can give you a good insights on uh, the supply chain and how the you know the, the logistics. That that those are big names. And I think from smaller names, um, there is GitLab. Um, I think that is, I'm watching that stock, uh, started watching that stock recently because of the AI exposure. And then we have UiPath. Um, and then uh, Sean might like this. Uh, Xpeng uh, is reporting earnings on Friday before open. So that will be the EV sector. I think that's the last company to report earnings. Yeah, it is. Um, it's one of those that kind of keep your eyes on, but it's not, not one that's closely tied with. Obviously, nice to see you know, if the other Chinese companies are doing well or not. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. You hit all the ones I was thinking of, K. I see William Sonoma on Thursday as well before, I think, before the Open. Um, but I think FedEx and Adobe, definitely the two biggest names that uh, that I noticed. And FedEx in particular being interesting on Thursday. So we'll see what, what kind of implications that has. Everybody's paying attention to the big bank failure. You know, I posted not too long ago. I've just real quick before we get into the charts. Actually, I've been through. Uh, I've been on the front lines for in 2008 when we had uh, the mortgage uh, crisis and the great financial crisis. And so, it was, you know, in 2007, I um, was in mortgage lending, and our business went under. And so, I made the genius move of going to work for a mutual fund that focused in financials. Just in time for the 2008 crash, right? And I I was on the front lines for all that contagion, talking to portfolio managers, 
that work, you know, on Wall Street. And this, to me anyways, doesn't feel anywhere near the same. Um, this is not a collapse of, a, of an entire industry um, that's got global implications. It's certainly very sad and very negative for those involved. Um, but um, it, it'll be an interesting week, to say the least. The charts might just be totally derailed by whatever news comes forth. So I think that's something to note. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you. And, uh, you know, if you noticed when we discussed last week, we were in the neutral category or neutral territory for the fear and greed. We actually went down straight to the extreme fear. So today the, the, the numbers are 24, which is exactly the um, negative in the extreme fear. And then the put, pull to call ratio has bumped up 1.11. So there are more put options open compared to the call options. And yeah, I mean, it's, um, and then you have a double whammy. You have the February CPI coming up on, I guess, Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, it's on March 14th. It's crazy so that that's, key... yeah, they are. Yeah, I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, kid. It's crazy that that Feb C- CPI number is like taking a back seat. You'd think that that would be what everybody's <laughs> talking about. Yeah, not anymore. No. <laughs> They're talking about the bank run, and, and the, we have a Twitter having bank crash and bank run. Those are trending, actually, hashtag. Yeah. yeah. I think some, a lot of investors have been waiting for a kind of black swan and inverted commas event, and um, this could be it. People have been waiting for it. This is true. This is true. But, you know... Fed's doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've got a friend who's been saying for a few months now, he's like, there's going to be some event that, that comes along and finally tips things over. So perhaps, perhaps. Um, well, let's look so, at the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. What were you going to say? No, so so I, I think there is a domino effect, right? So think about the companies that are part of, those are all tech companies, right? So they, they, right. they have the account in SVB. Now, even if let's say nothing goes wrong and they get the money back, they're not going to get the money back tomorrow. It may take few weeks, even months, maybe years, right? What's going to happen that eventually at some point in time, those small companies that are tech companies have to lay off. So it, it kind of sets the story because last week when Jerome Paul was talking in uh, in Congress, he was still concerned that the, uh, the the job numbers are not coming, are not going up. So now if you start seeing those layoffs, it kind of sets everything in motion it, and everything seems to be connected, right? You have the bank failure, maybe a smaller regional bank fails. Then you have the layoff because the companies who were, you know, had deposited money are not able to get their money. They are not getting funding from venture capitalists. They're not able to raise additional cash. They will have to cut down on employees. And it just, everything starts, you know, coming together. I I think this, we might be still far from it, but this is how I'm envisioning. Eventually, it's going to snowball. That's what I'm thinking. Yep, I'm, I'm, I hear you. I hear that, that that talk a lot over this weekend, so it'll be very interesting. This market has been not, nowhere near boring this year, right? It has been brutal to trade yeah. and uh, very interesting. So, um, yeah, let's look at the charts. Let's get right to it. Um, well, not right to it, but after uh, no, no further delay. Uh, so uh, the first chart we've got up in the nest there is for ticker SPY, so the SPY overall index. And what I've taken out the uh, the levels I trade here and just kind of focused on this trend line and this trend break that we got last week. Um, so that's where I've got the arrow pointing. It also broke the 150-day average, moving average, and the 50-day. So 
We're looking for support there. The moving averages did not provide that. And now the 20 day, it looks like it's sliding over top to provide some resistance. Um, I think 380 will be a level that should provide some support. Somewhere you know, roughly there where you can see we had that prior uh, bit of support. Uh, if you go back to the end of the year, uh, of last year, actually the beginning of this year. Um, so you know, that's really basically, you know, it's a real basic look at what I see. I see that we broke that trend line. I think we pushed down to at least 380 and maybe get a little bit of a pause there. But um, it's, it's pretty much as simple as that from what I can tell. The MACD is the only other thing I'll note here, which is broken to the negative side. Um, so, you know, again, with that big volume last week, uh, I think, you know, this is very much news driven, but uh, to your point, Kay, it could could be a catalyst. Um, any any additional thoughts on th the chart I posted here before we jump over to Sean's uh, spy chart? I just have some uh, options data. If you want to first go through Sean's chart, then we can discuss the options data. But I totally agree with, you know, what you're saying. It will be news driven week, the next one. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Sean, you got a very similar looking trend line, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that, but um, what else would you add? Yeah, so just to follow on from that, I think I actually took out all my support and resistance that was like you, completely unintentionally. And I have a similar level drawn as well with the blue circles, and yes, they are back. I've just kind of added a range, really, with the, um, the yellow kind of rectangle I've drawn. And that's the kind of range I've been looking for it to kind of settle, and you mentioned it before. Um, but likewise, obviously, we've got CPI coming out on Tuesday. If that does come in hot, we could actually just blow straight through that down the bottom over the next kind of week or so. I mean, not like in one day. That would be vicious, but possible, but that would be very vicious. Um, but, yeah, generally, I think the trend may well be changing, to be honest with you. On your chart, we saw like the wedge that you've drawn with the light blue lines. Um, normally, when wedges get broken, they get broken quite quite hard, at least in my experience when I've been trading. Um, so that's been something to look to look towards, and perhaps a change, uh, train, sorry, a change of trend. My chuz and truz mixed up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the trend break is actually the theme this week. You know, I'm, I'm looking for you know breaks of trend, and then also support on moving averages. But let's see here. So jumping, I think we'll just go to the cues next. I mean, the same kind of thought process here. And I think I posted, yeah, okay. yours. yours. Sorry, but we got to get some options. Oh, yeah. You, you know, that's right. Yeah. Thanks. Kate, what were yeah, you yeah, going to yeah. say along the options line lines? So options are, you know, as, as I mentioned, the, the put to call ratio. But let's share some numbers, right? So on the call side at 390 and 395 levels, you have about 30,000 call options, right? So sounds like great. But. If you look at put options at 385, which is what, uh, just at the same, almost at the money, you have 101,000 open interest. At 380, on the put side, you have 125,000 put options. And then at 375, you have 86,000. So apparently, options data clearly shows you that it is a, definitely a negative, a bearish sentiment. And, you know, I'm going to just jump on the QQQ. It's exactly the same trend you can see on the option side. I'll get into the numbers after your chart, but that's exactly the trend we are seeing. Yep. So it's lining yep. up. We're getting the options numbers lining up with the charts. That's actually not good news. <laughs> 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 what were you going to say, Sean? I think I cut you off there. No, no, I was just agreeing. Just kind of carrying on with it. 
charts look a little bit more promising, but again, it's um, time dependent, I think. So I'm glad you said that. What do you, what do you see in your cues? Let's jump to that, because that's exactly my thoughts, um, that there's a little bit more promising than the SPY. Yeah, the reason I say it's more promising is it's kind of um, touching two lines of support in the way of moving averages. Um, so the 50 and the 200, which are the ones drawn in my chart, blue red lines, and we can see that this day, or Friday, we're basically on both of those lines. Now, we would be looking for a green day on Monday in order for it to kind of have a clean bounce, um, but it could actually you know, go choppy trading tomorrow, um, up, down, up, down all day. Um, and then Tuesday, obviously, with the CPI release, it could just bounce straight back up. And um, that would actually confirm the 50-day moving average crossing through the 200-day moving average, which is considered a bullish trend movement. But with everything going on in the news, you just don't know. Um, and you can see that the, the levels I've drawn with the black lines uh, or dark grey. Um, so we'd be looking to kind of play between those lines. They're the lines I'm looking at. Obviously, not cemented. Um, but if we were to go negative, I'm looking at 280. Positive, I would expect it to blow straight through 294 and move up to 300 mark. Um, that, that's the views on my chart. Do you have any more views on my chart? Which would your chart? Yeah, I like it. I, I think this same kind of thoughts that if we do get a push above, I've got 293, you've got 294. Um, if, if we do get positive sentiment and... You know, I think today we're supposed to get news on what what the deal is with the bank failure and and what next steps are effectively. And so the the messaging could prevail to be positive, and then you, I think we would get a big move up if that's the case. Um, I've you know I've got the moving averages here uh, noted. You know, the 50 and the 150 sliding in here, and they need to show, you know hold support. And for the spy, that didn't happen last week. Um, so the Qs have a chance here to hold this level and and get back above that 293, 294 area. Um, that short-term bullish crossover you mentioned, the 20 above the 50, that's what I've got circled on my chart anyways. Um, you've got both positive and negative signs, right? We're now under the 20-day moving average, and MACD is now dipping and, and curling to the, to the downside, which would be negative. So, you know, given... The mixed signals here, um, it's not like it's I'm overly positive about the cues, but um, it's it's not as negative looking as, as spy. Do we have any interesting options action on the cues? Yeah, actually, this is very funny. So uh, on the call side, uh, at 290, which is almost at the money, right? You have 60,000 call options, uh, 37,000 at 295 and 84,000 at 300. So kind of shows you, you know, it kind of is fizzling it out, but at 300, there's a lot of uh, call options. But on the put side, look at the numbers. You have 95,000 at 285. You have 153,000 call <laughs> options, put options at 280, and you have 109,000 open interest at 275. So those are large sum of open interest, which are, you know, traders are dealing with for next couple five days. And by the way, these are all 317 expirations. So the whole speed we are talking about, considering QQQ and SPY are a little bit more, they have a lot of expirations, multiple days. So that's what we are seeing, very bearish. All right, I'm trying to be positive here. So I'm going to move to SMH. <laughs> it's understandable why people are feeling bearish. I agree, um, I agree you know, so. I try to remain positive, yes. 
No, I agree, Sean. You know, the, there's not been a lot of positive news. The the one bit of positive news I do see is that we don't have a lot uh, coming from the Fed, right? They're keeping their mouths shut um, for another week or so. And, you know, that could in most times be beneficial and positive. Given all the news, it might actually have been a nice distraction to hear from the Fed. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Interest, interestingly, Janet Ellen did mention that they are looking into how to prevent a catastrophic event, but they don't intend to bail out SPB, right? I, yeah. Yeah, I did see that as that's, well. That's, that, that's, that's the intent as of right now. Of course, that could change throughout the day, tomorrow. Uh, but that's what we are looking at. I mean, let's see how... I think Monday is going to be very choppy. If you trade in the first hour or so, it's, it's really going to be very choppy. It'll be hard to get a trend. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Yeah, I think tomorrow just not trading at all for me personally. I think that's a great point. I mean, it's okay to not trade. I think everybody wants to get in and trade quickly and often. And, you know, I get it. I get the same. I feel the same way. But, you know, one of the things I've heard uh, repeated from multiple traders is that one of the hardest days to trade, especially when you're new, is Monday. And it's because of all the information that's come in over the weekend, but also because you've been waiting, you know, multiple days and you're anxious and you're ready to trade. So you see something and you jump on it and it, it might be premature. So yeah, Mondays are tough. And and I think this week will be my, maybe one of the toughest Mondays of the week of the year. Sometimes the best trade is no trade at all. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, uh, I wish I would have taken that advice this week with snow. We'll get to that later though. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, ticker SMH is next up in the list of the semiconductors. Um, and you know, we've got a nice positive uptrend here. So I've noted the trend is your friend. Uh, we're still positive on MACD, but it is trending down and in dangerous territory. Um, RSI is not really giving you much right in the middle of the water there. So, um, what I did note with the circles here is the, the cross above for the SMA. So you've got the 20-day moving average moving above the 50-day. So that's short-term bullish indicator. And then you've also got the 50-day moving above the 150. Um, and also the 200, which is not on here. I, I'm debating whether I'm adding the 200-day. But one way or another, the crossover is bullish um, in the intermediate term, a little bit longer term. And so we've been holding this uptrend since October, November of last year. And... We could obviously get a pullback given the nice run up. I would think that would come in and you get some support between 225 and 220, 230, maybe a broader range given the volatility that we're seeing uh, ticking up here. Um, but I, I'm looking for semis to lead the way. And as long as this trend is holding, I remain optimistic um, for overall markets. Uh, that being said, I do think it's a stock pickers market. So. It's a little bit tricky to, to read sectors right now. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Sean? So, yeah, just, just laying on the support there, you've got basically three opportunities for support there as well, with the, with the blue line you mentioned and the dark blue line, and then you've got the trend line um, moving up, so there's three opportunities for support. Um, but what I would note out for is that 50, if it does cross the you know, 150, 200, that would be not great. But, yeah, um, it's not big as market, as you said. Nvidia's doing well, AMD's doing okay, I think. Um, but Nvidia seems to be flying these days, I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, that's yeah. 9% of this fund, isn't it? So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Anything to add here, Kate? Uh, just... Sorry, did 
that could be a um, potentially downside if uh, the video was to fall and um, quite considerably then that would obviously pull this down quite considerably too so just something to look out for if you are looking to trade this anyone listening yeah we'll take a look at nvidia here in a little bit too it's one of the charts we've got on our list what were you going to say Kay? yeah yeah, so, I mean, from an options perspective, the, it remains unchanged from what we discussed last week. It's uh, still at 7,000 uh, contracts at 250 and 5,000 on the put side at 240. So, there hasn't been much activity on SMH, at least from, an, we, don't, we don't see any anomalies. It's just standard what we see every week. Gotcha. Contracts. Nothing jumping off the page just yet. Um, I had a quick follow-up question for you, Sean. I don't know if you, how much detail you might have on this, but I was asked this week about you know, I trade different uh, ETFs or, and invest in different ETFs, I should say. And uh, ticker JEPI, Jeppy is one I like because it has a nice yield. And I was asked about if you could invest in it in the UK. So I did some quick research and it looks like uh, ETFs are not not something that you can necessarily invest in in the UK or in Europe. Or is that not entirely true? Like, Can you invest in SMH here? Yeah, so in SMH we can investing it's done through BANIC I believe um, other ETFs are available through iShares which is the BlackRock um, holding so we can get all of the ETFs we can get all the biotech stuff everything like that at least in the platform I use might be different for other people but um, Jeppy I'm just having a little look on my thing now to see if we can get it Jeppy we can't um, unfortunately but yeah it's the ones that are Vanguard related um, uh, BANIC related and iShares related so pretty much everything in the world but just apparently not jeppy <laughs> of course not jeppy <laughs> okay no that's good to know so it's not it's not as uh, widespread that's great i didn't think so because we've been talking about so many different etfs but um all right that's great all right so last um before we get into actual stocks here and this in the symbols is we've got the vix i was taking a look here last week noted that we've got this 18 to 1850 support range and that held up and we have taken off and uh, broke well above the you know 150 moving average. So I know some folks don't like to look at the VIX and as far as uh, you know for anything other than a number and not really looking at trend. I, I somewhat agree with that, but you can't help but note and pay attention to the fact that we were trending down and the VIX was compressing and getting lower with lower highs, and now we've seen a big reversal of that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that continues, if volatility remains higher and you know elevated above 2022. Um, that that would be a completely different look to the market than what we've seen over the last, you know, really the start of this year. Yeah, and I think the big big topping candle there at the end of last on Friday um, is a fairly good indicator for if it's continued moving downwards. Um, but like you say, news dependent, especially with CPI coming out and obviously if things happen with SVB, it could easily move continuously up upwards. Yeah, the VIX is, uh, it's concerning. I'll just put it that way. I, I don't personally use it for trading or trade it even in general. Um, but for me, it's more of a momentum thing to see what kind of, uh, what's going on within the market, see how much it's been trading, etc. Interesting. So I know you don't use the options. Uh, you, you don't have options available, Sean. But you know, Kay, when I see um, volatility spiking, it's an opportunity for selling options and, and taking in premium. And so that's that's Absolutely. really that's really what I look at. Yeah, you agree? I totally agree because I I love when VIX is actually you know 
this volatile because this is this is a time you can really if you're selling options calls or puts i think that this is the best time you can do that when it's pretty flat at you know or average not really seeing anything we don't see much premiums because if you notice all the premiums that uh, the open interest changes in the premiums are like 200 300% on spies and qqqs because of this big bump that we had in the a big spike that we had in the vix and that also is one of your indicators that is part of your fear and greed uh, if you follow um so that that does also help kind of you know so th- these are like indicators you, you shouldn't be trading or investing just based on one indicator but kind of gives you a a good um a north star where market is feeling and wix is 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 a good measure i would say yeah great well said well said so um all right let's get into the stocks uh tesla is first up sean you've got a interesting looking chart here and it is not trending the right way, but maybe we've got a reversal in order. What do you see? Yeah, so with this one, um, this black squiggly line that you see is actually something I added um, in, in space probably about a month ago. And uh, it's kind of not following it exactly, but you can kind of see the way I'm going with it. Maybe I wasn't so accurate with it, and obviously I'm not a future fortune teller or anything like that. But what <laughs> I'm seeing is this level of $167. And we're approaching that. We touched it roughly on Friday. Um, I've drawn my famous blue circles and that kind of line as well. Um, you can see it's touched it. And if you go back, um, I, do, I couldn't really include it because it would be really hard to see. If you go way back into Tesla's history, it's hit a couple of times as well. Um, so it is a support level um, coupled with the 50-day moving average. And um, you can see it's basically at the same level as the 167 line I've drawn. So it could be acting as a very strong support. Currently, it may have already done it, potentially, because obviously it's, it's touched down there and it's moved up and left a slightly, not slightly bullish candle, but it's better than what it could have been. Let's put it that way. Um, but again, likewise, if it breaks down below the 50-day moving average, we are in dangerous territory, I think. I don't know what your thoughts are with this. Yeah, I, I like using the 50-day as a, a, a sign of, if we're above, right, you, you're holding that positive uh, trend and if you dip in below then you know things have changed you need to be reassessing um i was curious you see the gap below there down to 146 ish like i think it's 140 146 oh yeah um yeah i think 146 is right and um I, i'm curious that's where where i've been watching to see if we fill the gap i had it uh rejecting at the 205 206 level yeah right you got 206 94 i got 206 85 we're, we're pennies off and uh I had a rejection there a little bit harder. We got it. Uh, we got a rejection starting, but it, it retested it before pulling back now to where we're at. So I'm wondering if we keep dropping lower. I'll, I would be willing to bet it's going to be again news dependent this week, and if the markets continue to tank, we will quickly close that gap. That would be my guess. Yeah, I see that, and the gap that you mentioned, I didn't actually see that at all. I think I was distracted by the blue line moving through it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to note that definitely for sure. And I would, I've said during the week on, on my Twitter um, that I might actually add it as a long position. Um, cause obviously, Tesla's a great company, great fundamentals, great future, etc. The only time, the only reason I sold out last time was because of Elon um, when he started piping up about a year ago, maybe slightly more. Um, sold out of my position. It wasn't huge, but um, I made quite a bit of money on that, which is nice. But it's maybe an opportunity for me to get back in if it was to close that gap. Yeah, absolutely. Is that RSI at the bottom of your chart? Yeah, so it's coupled with Bollinger Bands. I don't really um, 
use them that much, but it's, I don't know, I think it looks cool in a way, if that makes sense. But <laughs> it's an indication of things, you know, if it crosses below the purple line, it's obviously, um, in my eyes, oversold, and obviously the general um, thesis of RSI is it's a momentum-based indicator for me personally. I know other people will swear by it and um, buy in the oversold section, etc. I think, Kay, you've mentioned that before in the past. Yeah, uh, yeah. Momentum. yeah. yeah I, um, I, I noticed it was at the bottom of the Bollinger Band, so that's something that caught my eye. Usually get a little bit of a spring there. Um, not always, but definitely something to take note of. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Tesla's in the, the news. What do you got, Kate? Yeah, the only, thing, the only thing I would like to add that uh, we did see an alert uh, at 190. Uh, there was a big order big call order that came through for expiration of January 19, 2024 and uh, they collected $5 million premium so they most likely sold a covered call at 190 uh, and this order was put in I, it was on Friday that they came in so that was a big alert that on the option side we can see. Yeah, interesting 190. But, yeah, 190 for January 2024 with a $5 million premium so that must be a covered call because I didn't see anything on the put side so has to be a covered call. All right. I'm not the only one out there doing covered calls. This is great. <laughs> uh, okay. So next chart up is uh, another one of yours, Sean. And I was curious about this. I have not looked at Rivian. So what are your thoughts here? Well, I'm just trying to find it. Here we are. Yeah, cool. Uh, Rivian, this one is a classic case of me. It can go lower and how much lower. So I've overlaid the monthly uh, weekly on top of the daily. I normally annotate that, but I didn't this time, my mistake. So that is the weekly square on top of the daily. And you can see it's gone nothing but down, nothing but down, as you can see. Um, but going back to the daily, I can see that it's obviously pushed below that previous support of 14.21, if you can call it support. It's just where it's hit lower before. Um, but you can quite clearly see it's making lower lows. And from a trading perspective, it's kind of if you, if you put your short on um, and then just basically ride it out and as it goes lower just keep trading your stock down um, in my opinion of course and obviously keep a fairly uh, loose stop to start with obviously start the size of the small um, but this is more of a trade opportunity for me in my eyes um, it's obviously because it can always go lower um, but yeah I don't know if you have your thoughts on that or from your trading experience maybe you might be able to add something to my knowledge etc yeah, so what I was noticing here, I agree with your your assessment. You know, we're low going lower, um, but you know, we don't just go straight down in a straight line, right? There's a tendency to revert to the mean and pull back to those moving averages and test them before continuing lower. And that you know, you can see that happen in this chart. So I would consider waiting for a little bit of a, a base to form, um, a little bit of consolidation to occur and then you know it might make a, a nice trade to the upside to see this pull back to its moving averages um that being said there's i don't see too much positive here other than that kind of reversion to the mean before potentially moving lower i think this is this is one of those stocks that needs good news to come through uh, like and not market good news like individual good news before you're going to see a huge move higher yeah i agree and um yeah your point moving towards back to the moving averages is very valid. I probably should have pointed that one out as well. Or, you know, notified it. <laughs> so you yeah, you I agree know, with that? Agree. You agree with that, Sean? You, you'll trade, like, if you see a, a huge divergence from moving averages that 
you know, obviously you could just trade sideways to let the moving averages catch back up, but you, you look for trades in those kind of spots? Sometimes, yeah. I think just momentum-based, um, obviously negativity throughout whatever asset it might be. Um, sometimes I do place a trade on based on momentum, but sometimes on SPY I do it on the five-minute. Obviously, it's a bit different than the review daily, but if I see a trade going a certain way viciously and the volume is coming in, I will follow that trend. Right, right. Well, um, okay, let's keep it moving. So we talked about SMH earlier, and I, I was noting that uptrend. And so I did post a chart on NVIDIA. You mentioned, Sean, that this is the largest holding uh, in in the in that um, bucket of, of stocks. And it has made a nice run. I mean, I've, I think, again, I mentioned the theme for this week has been watching the SMA, the, the simple moving averages, the daily moving averages. And um, we've got positive signs, the 20 moving across the 50, the 50 across the 150, um, both short-term and intermediate-term positive uh, both happening this side of the of the new year, and so we've seen this huge move up, and so much so we got a nice big gap. And I think either you know it, we're at a nice spot. It's pretty binary here. You're either going to get a break below that 20-day moving average, which has been a bit of support, and close and fill out that gap, and possibly you know run down to the 50 uh, 50-day moving average. Or we're going to get another bounce here and try to run the new highs and get back, you know, try to test out 250. So um, new recent highs, I should say. So that's really how I'm seeing it. Just really simple, basic. If it breaks below, I would look for it to drop all the way close to 210, 215 area. And if it breaks above, I mean, it bounces nicely off of this 20 day, uh, trying to reach back to 250. to add on there if it does move down to that kind of 210 to fill the gap it may actually time depending on how long it takes it might actually time perfectly with these 50 day moving average and bounce off and fill the gap at the same time yeah additional support there yeah absolutely yeah just to note on the nvidia uh, so on the fib level uh, the 221 and 228 is your golden pocket so this is where generally the trend either breaks upwards or downwards right and on the put side, interestingly, on the options, what we are seeing is uh, a 317 expiration. At uh, 235, you had about 10,000 open interest, 13,000 at 240, and then uh, 6,000 put options at 225 and 13,000 at 220. But on Friday, we had this big $230 expiration for 317 put option, large order, large volume that came with about 1.16 million as a premium. Um, so that's that's what's going on. But I do think that this is coming to that golden pocket area, the 221 to 228 on the FIB level, and that's generally, uh, um, generally traders use that as well, especially professional traders. Uh, that's more like a, a how, how do I put this one? It's uh, not everybody uses it, but you see a lot of reference about the golden pocket specifically in traders. Do you guys use that as well? I'm not, uh, so I use Fib and I, and I heard you mention Fib a couple of times last week too I think and so that's that's something I think I should start bringing more into the charts. I use Fibonacci more on my day trading, um, but there's no reason why I can't expand that to the day, daily charts here. Um, but w by golden pockets, I'm um, imagining you're referencing the sixty one sixty. Yeah, yep, yep. sixty one sixty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. How about you, Sean? Um, no, no experience really with that. Fibonacci's I've used on the overall kind of markets from uh, you know, big 
ball runs and down to the bear markets. I've used one recently. Um, but I've just mainly experimented with them, but I don't swear by them. Um, it's for the sound, very superficial, but I don't like the way they look on my chart. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, it gets busy. Yeah, it gets it busy does. on the chart. That coupled with the moving averages and support and distance line, I've already drawn and all of my blue circles. It's just, it's just too much for me to look at. I'm a very simple man. I like to <laughs> reach so, out in a very simple way. So, you know, I'm laughing, but you really are saying, you're saying something I think is really important. And so for folks that are listening, um, I'm, jo- I, you know, I'm, I'm always in very jovial and, and laughing kind of a mood. But uh, what you said, Sean, is important. So I want to hit on that. Um, keeping it simple is actually, a, a, to me, a big part of trading. People like to look at hundreds of reference points and you can get you know information overload and you can... You know, freeze you and not be able to trade because of having too much information in front of you or just kind of distort the information to fit your bias because you sifted through so much and so keeping your chart simple and clean I think is actually very important to do um, so what I would add is you know you draw your line Sean and then you know you don't want to clutter it up with a fib I agree what I do as a test is I'll draw all my lines out and then I will um, use the fib tools and see where they land and see how close to my lines uh, those golden pockets that Kay's mentioning line up. And if they're, you know, slightly off, I might make some tweaks just to kind of take a look and see what that looks like. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I use it as a check and then boom, I delete them. (laughs) That's an interesting point. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Kay? No, 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 absolutely. Oh, I was saying I totally agree because, you know, honestly, I, I only use FIB when I'm mostly doing a broader, like a long-term options. Uh, I generally don't do day trading, so uh, I, I don't use as many indicators as you guys do on the chart. But yeah, I think FIB does get very busy and, you know, you, you have to clean it up. And the problem is like I generally do a one year and I want to see the trend because I am generally, I trade with momentum. So it makes sense for me, but I do agree. It's very busy and I think keep your indicators what works for you. I think for every trader, it's a different indicator that works for them mm-hmm. because they have tried and tested and it just works. Like some things just works for you, just use that and you can use others to validate your theory, but I think don't complicate your trade. Yeah, yeah, well said again. Absolutely. All right, so the next one up is a favorite of mine, DraftKings. Um, we've got lots of sports betting going on this time of year and I think overall long-term DraftKings is, is positioned well. I also like to trade it in the near term. I uh, you know, added a position recently in my covered call portfolio and I'm selling calls against it. And I noticed you know, two things that are really competing bits of information coming from the chart. Uh, the first piece is the trend line that we've been on. Nice trend line moving upwards. Um, nice powerful move up, quite frankly, off of the lows. And we're off of that trend line again. And seeing Friday, that nice push to close right back up on the line um, versus closing below was also a big positive. Uh, right at the 20-day moving average, again, above that. So if that holds support, that trend line holds support, I think we make another run back up to north of 20. And, you know, a friend of mine who uh, I respect a lot with when, respect, when it comes to investing, <laughs> he quoted somebody the other day saying, there are no triple tops. So... I find that interesting. So either we're going to get our double top and then a, a mean uh, reverse here, or we're going to break right through and continue this trend higher. Um, and if it does break through and move higher, I, I would expect it to come back and maybe test that 
prior resistance, but I would think overall that would be uh, extremely positive for DraftKings. And it's what I'm, I'm looking for. It's what I'm positioned for. But I'm mining that, that trend line again. So if we get a break lower, I think that would be a really bad sign given the double top setup. And so if you're, you're a trader here, I'd be looking to exit pretty quickly, have some tighter stops. Any thoughts on that, Sean? Yeah, I think you mentioned the, the powerful move on Friday to bring that candle straight back up. Um, just shows how much strength is actually there on that trend line. Um, and if it was to break down towards you know, below the trend line, that would be quite vicious, I think, because obviously that's a big support, and that would then um, send the stock south, basically. Um, but then, obviously, it might create a nice resistance in the future. Um, so it could be tradable levels there. Um, but yeah, just uh, agreeing with you there, going back down to test the 50 and the, was it 150 you drawn? The dark blue line, is that right? Yeah, the dark blue is the 150. And the yeah, yeah 50 coming. just crossed above it. portfolio quite frankly is well twofold one I, i'm building that portfolio from a very small amount so the, i'm looking for stocks that have a dollar range you know a price that i can get 100 shares for a reasonable amount and then on top of that the other piece i look for is a lot of volatility and high premiums and you know to get those premiums you need a lot of uh, interest right open interest in retail trading and so we've got that here for sure um, and so you get nice premiums you can collect um, when you're selling covered calls against you know a position like DraftKings, and you can sell them, you know, further out of the money and still collect decent premiums. Like I'm selling a uh, dollar out of the money here, so a nice five percent move, roughly a little bit north of that. If I were to, you know, if they were to move up and and I would actually have to lose the shares, I'm locking in that five percent. And plus the, the premium I collected, and it would be in you know a week's time. I'd be okay with that. Wow, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, right. You know, so that's the way I look at these. Is if it falls off, that's where it gets tricky. That's where you're going to take some losses. But um, be able to sell covered calls, you know, that far out of the money and still collect. I think I collected one point eight percent on that premium. If it were to you know close out to zero and I didn't have to buy it back at all, um, so. Yeah, it's a. I like it for the cover call. Go ahead. Was that a weekly? Or was that a weekly or monthly? It's a weekly. Yeah, that's the best part. Wow, that's amazing. I'm telling you, that's that's <laughs> that's why I've gotten right, into right. the growth growth stocks with the cover calls. And it's the hardest part is. So I was in DraftKings earlier, and it had the major spike, and so I I gathered I, I got a nice um, uh, realized gain in February. Uh, double-digit gains from the the premiums collected plus the move in the stock from where I had bought it, but I missed out on an additional upside. But here it is; it's pulled back, and I'm able to get back in. I'm doing the same thing with SoFi. We'll look at that a little bit later as well, where it's come back down. I can get back into the position, but also there's a million, uh, you know, not a million, but there's there's plenty, there's dozens of growth stocks that you can look at to you know rotate through a cover call strategy. So. That's that's been what I've been working on in twenty three, anyways. 
It's awesome, Nate. Yeah, you thanks, Kay. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. I'll post, I'll post early and often uh, throughout the week. So, um, All right, so let's see. That's, a, that's enough on DraftKings. You guys can tell, I'm sure, by now that I'm a big fan of this one. Um, another one I'm growing increasingly a fan of is Sono, ticker S-O-N-O. So, Sean, you brought this to our attention. What's the chart look like this week? I see a nice-looking trend line. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And this is um, a fan favourite of Taylor and Bess. He actually wants to be called him James now. So, hello, James. Give us a wave if you can. And, uh, yeah, so Sonos nice. is, um, this is a one-day chart, as you can see. And basically, this trend line has gone very nicely since October last year, really. And we are kind of approaching that line now. And um, I've got the little yellow, that's just in the wave there, lovely. Got the little yellow highlighted area. Um, that's just a gap, so we're looking to fill that gap. I don't feel, doesn't look like we've completely filled it. And you can see that with a little kind of half red line I've drawn at 1871-ish, there, thereabouts. So maybe perhaps we could come down and fill that completely. Um, Nate, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the kind of the actual filling of gaps, whether they're actually perfectly filled or partially, but we'll get into that in just a second. Um, but yeah, you can see the nice little kind of bounce off the 50-day moving average at the end of last week. Um, which could be seen as bullish, maybe a slight support. But yeah, and, and basically at another key level, like I've mentioned a few times tonight with different stocks, um, key level to, to bounce. So we're looking to see good positive movement continuing for Sonos as it has been the last kind of five or six months. But yeah, if you could shed some light on maybe the, the gap filling, that would be, be amazing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this is a great looking chart. This is reminding me of the, the trend line we see with DraftKings where we had the... Nice reversal from a downtrend and a pretty strong uptrend. And when it comes to gap reversals or, or gap fills, um, I, you, know, you don't have to see it fill the whole thing. Uh, what I would say is if it stops short, and this actually happened to me with, um, with Snow uh, this week, and a ticker SNOW, and you know I was looking to fill the gap. Well, once it's filled partially, it could reverse and not actually fill the rest of the, the gap. And at that point, you know, I would not say I would say that the odds of it, you know, uh, actually filling the gap completely in the near term are reduced dramatically. So I wouldn't think it was as strong of a trade. Um, I would actually be looking here for, you know, maybe it does fill the gap, um, but I would be waiting for that to happen and then play the bounce off of that. Because if it did fill it, you've got that trend line support, you've got the moving average support, and then you've got the gap fill, which... You know, when they fill, they tend to re you tend to get a reversal. So that'd be three points of um, information that you could trade off of. Um, I would get bullish at that point, as long as it held all all three and started to move up. I would think you get a pretty meaningful move to the upside after that. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think what I'm kind of getting out there is it may have already happened, um, but that's just trading. Sometimes you miss them. Sometimes you you know they lose them. Um, but the extra the free indicators. Um, making it a very strong trade, like you said, with the trend line, the 50 moving average, and the gap fill, that would be um, very, very bullish if you were to enter the trade. But the point I was getting at is maybe it's already you know, partially filled and it's got to move up and do its thing, but then obviously it just wouldn't take that trade. Would you, do you agree? Yep, I agree, 100%. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, did you have anything to add um, before we move to Etsy next? Uh, no, nothing from my side on this one. All right, right on. So, yeah, Sean, your next chart has Etsy, and we've got a break of trend lines, what, what it looks like here. This is a daily chart? It is. Uh, no, sorry, it's a weekly chart. It's oh, weekly this is chart. a weekly. So, um, 
Yeah, so it, That's a great question, Kay. Um, given you know all the tech layoffs you've been seeing, and I do not recall off the top of my head. I think it's one of those that might have flown right under the radar if they did. So it's interesting to note. And um, yeah, you know the we- the fact that the weekly is broken down. I, I mean, I I think a hundred dollars. I don't know how you guys feel about psychological levels, but you know, hundred dollars is that one of those psych levels, and you might get some support just based on that. Um, but yeah, this is the breaking trend on the weekly is certainly concerning. And being part of the S, the whole uh, fiasco of uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, right. Is as Etsy tied in directly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's what Sean said. Yeah. It's oh, I'm, I'm looking at it. So the seller impacted by collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Oh, I completely missed that. Um. Okay. Well, then definitely, given the technicals, and then you add in the news. Um, it's not one I'd be too. Not great right now. Nothing I can see on layoffs either. To add to that. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks, Sean. Um, so, I guess, you know, perfect timing to slide over to SoFi. Uh, I read a, a bunch of information this weekend directly from SoFi, actually. You know, just kind of talking to the fact that they, they didn't have exposure uh, or meaning, you know, anything meaningful coming from SVB and, and the, the collapse there and the bank runs. You know, SoFi put out some pretty strong words. Also, they continue to have insider insider buying. Anytime the stock dips, you get huge buy orders from their CEO. Um, so that's interesting to note from the news front. Looking at the chart, I was hoping that the gap will get a reversal. I mention this every week. You, you tend to get reversals, and the news always will trump your your charts. Just keep that in mind. Um, the news comes out and it will care less if you have a gap or a trend line or what kind of support levels. And, you know, the, the chart will trade according to the news. And so you see the huge spike in volume in the selling around the concerns of the bank contagion. Um, so we'll see what happens next week. But there's some great, great information you can read about SoFi out there. Um, I picked up um, some shares last week on this drop below $6. I like it here. Um, and I might continue to accumulate this coming week. I'm not sure. I'd want to see how things play out given the news. Um, but I did take advantage of that drop last week and, and nibbled a little bit. 
that's, that's amazing. Just to add on the auction side, um, on the call side, because this is very similar to your DraftKing, mm-hmm. uh, which is also retail favorite. So generally, the calls always trump the put side. So on the three seventeen expiration, you have twelve thousand contracts at six dollars and twenty five thousand contracts at seven dollars. Whereas on the put side, at five you only have eight thousand and at four you have six thousand. However, um, I, I think it depends if you get any additional news from any other banks failing, which we haven't seen because you saw big drops in First Republic and some of these other regional banks that dropped like almost thirty percent. 15 to 30 percent uh even though sofa is not involved with svb but the you know the markets are always not rational either so you could see a big drop on your that i think what was the level that i have on the fib it's uh the 424 touching a 52 week low yep yeah you're right the markets can can drive things uh, irrationally lower, and if it did, I, I'd be a buyer in that level. If it if it got down to that four fifty ish, four twenty four, you mentioned, um, that's just me. I'm not saying that's for everybody, and there'd obviously be risk there. There's no no guarantee it wouldn't go lower, but I do like it here, um, even just below six. And so I, I nibbled, like I mentioned last week, and I'm I'm paying close attention this week to see see what else we might be able to, what opportunities we might see, or if. Um, you know, we could see a big bounce again if the news somehow is positive. I don't think anybody's talking about that, though, so we'll see. I think I'm the only one trying it's to remain a, optimistic. It's, 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 a, it's a good way to actually you can do the cash-secured put at those levels because you, you will get good premiums. And, yep, yep. you know, this way you can, you know, you can hedge your bet if stock falls to those levels for your expiration, you get the stock at a lower price. If it goes up, then premium is your trade right there you know that's your profit without spending any dollar yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant all right so two more tickers to go through both of them very interesting in my opinion um first up is the chart i posted for snow snow for snowflake incorporated um we've got this level at right around 134.50 that has been nice support um now i wanted to point out here that you know you'll see a few breaks of this level and but then quick recoveries and that's actually a good sign in a consolidation um phase when you see a little bit of a break off and and then you know quickly snap back up into the consolidation range um so i that's why you know you see that level 134.50 it's not pulled down to try to capture every single dip there i'm trying to capture where the majority of the the trading held up where we get the lows holding in more spots than not and where we get more touch points. So um, what I saw for snow or what I see for snow is that we've you know, now broken again below that level and we need a quick snap back to reality um, above 134.50. Otherwise we risk moving lower and continuing lower. Um, so you know, we did have a nice uptrend that was broke and now we've got this kind of messy downtrend falling, falling apart back down here to these levels we're at now. Um, there's a gap above though that remains and we are, you know, really extended below the moving averages. So I could see a snapback occurring, um, depending on, again, on markets overall and sentiment overall. Um, but you have enough here that might pull these candles back up almost reluctantly. Um, that's what I'm seeing for, for snowflake. Anything to add on this, Sean, anything you've seen? Uh, yeah, just when you see those snapbacks that have happened the last three times, they are actually setting lower lows with those snapbacks. So if it were to move um, to the lower side, I would make, uh, look to be like a higher low, if that makes sense. 
um, and then hopefully move back up to those moving averages. Just something to add on there. This is lower lows with the snaps. This is why I love doing these calls. Like I did not note that, and you are absolutely right. We've got lower lows forming, so noted. I've added that to my list of, of notes here. How about UK, anything to add? No, there isn't much on the option side. They always have low open interest, so there's really not much uh, data that I can see from here. Yeah, the agreed. From option side, it's not. There's not a lot there that you you know from unless you're doing longer term data options or spreads, perhaps. But all right, so let's get to the last one of the day. This Palantir ticker PLTR, and uh, you noted, are we reaching a key zone? So, what are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, so the, the key zone I've drawn here are the, the yellow boxes, as you can see. And um, we've had a, a very rough last few days, or I think it might be related to the news, etc., like every other stock on the market. What alarms me about this is the break below the 50-day moving average and the fact, obviously, the overall stock, if you look back further into the, the months, the last couple of years, or well, last year or so, it is on the downtrend overall. Um, so I'd be looking for... A, basically a bounce between that 698, 724 level and the levels I've drawn and not exact numbers of course but you can see that's the, that's the strength, that's where the strength is, that's where it has been in the past, especially the last, uh, what's that, six to seven months. Um, but you could also, I did, I did play with this chart a little bit actually on Friday, when, on Friday night, um, you can actually draw the yellow box as a consolidation zone from the 908 line to, to around about that $7. Because um, you can see it's traded around that for quite some time, um, like I said, about seven or eight months or so. So it is kind of in that consolidation zone still. So that's uh, another positive, I think, for the stock. So you know, obviously it doesn't break down lower, hopefully. Um, but if it was to consolidate, bounce off the $7 mark, move upwards, and then hopefully break out that $9 with a bit more um, stability rather than just earnings-related news. No very thoughts within this chart, just looking at this. Yeah. Um, it looks like a range might be forming. If we do get a bounce back up here, I would like to see it move back to 850, 848 you've got noted. Um, but that looks like it was a range before, you know, a loose range, and it might be forming again here. So that, that's what I'd be looking at between 750 and 850 roughly. Yeah, we definitely need to see some strength coming in the next few days, that's for sure. Yeah, if not, then that's that's gonna that could be problematic. I, I think your support's right. I think that's, you know, just from my own personal opinion, the seven to seven twenty four area that looks right to me. So, I, we definitely need to hold that. I think two seven's probably gonna be a bit of a psychological level. You can see before when we broke below it, it had a large selling candle there the day after, and um, it took a little yeah. bit to get recovered. So, yeah. I think that seven dollar uh, level is definitely key. Definitely one to watch. Yeah, I agree. This is good stuff. Okay, anything to add to our last chart of the week? Uh, so similar to SoFi and DraftKing, I think it's also a retail favorite. So you see more call options than put, but pretty balanced out. There's only like a maybe a five ten thousand dollar uh, ten thousand contract difference between the two for three seventeen expiration. But everything between eight and nine dollars. Uh, more on the call side and seven and six on the put side. It's good stuff. And, you know, a couple of notes from this week, and I think it's very important. One, I, you know, I learn every week, so I appreciate you guys uh, and your knowledge and your angles and your perspectives you bring. Um, the call over put 
rate um, ratio for retail trade I think is important to note. You know, if you have a stock that is really popular amongst the retail crowd, it's going to skew uh, those options somewhat. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, and then also this week we've got all this news and it's going to be hard to trade if you're trading, especially shorter term. So I think that sitting on your hands is smart. And for me, it's hard to do. Like I am not a very, it's not that I'm not patient, but I like to be active. And so what I've already thought of this week is how am I going to distract myself if I need to do something other than, you know, place trades. And, you know, I'm looking at my charts and I think I might change up the color schemes and a few things on my charts. And that takes hours, right? And it's a distraction, but yet I'm still looking at charts, staying involved and doing something I'm, I'm, I love and I enjoy. So uh, just something I put out there for folks that, you know, if you want to wait and you have the time normally in your window for trading, um, maybe you look at adjusting your charts. Maybe some of the indicators we talked about this week and the prior weeks, uh, pull them in and do some back testing and uh, spend some time doing that this week instead of being super active trading and see how things play out. You might think yourself in the weeks after uh, for saving that capital and having more information to trade off of. So that'd be my two cents this week to add to the call. Sean, would you have anything else to add this week? Just to add on your point, I do, do have a few notes I want to add as well. I did just a little one there. I saw a tweet earlier where this um, this girl, she changed her red candles to blue candles uh, to get through the fear. So that, that could be something that other traders might want to do as well. I might try it myself, actually, we'll see. Um, but yeah, generally, trading this week, if you are going to trade, I know you mentioned, obviously, sometimes sitting on your hands, um, and obviously, just play through, go through back testing. I think that's a great idea. But if you are looking to trade this week, just obviously be very careful. Um, the three things I'm looking at focusing on this week is buy and trade, of course. It's sizing down because of the volatility of the uh, nature of the volatility this week. Um, don't play the reports. Um, follow them, basically. So if, if you get a good CPI report on Tuesday, make sure you look into the details of the report. Um, you know, relatively, of course, you don't have time to read the whole report. And then just follow that trend if it wants to move up. Keep the stop losses tight, etc. So just be careful with that. That, coupled with the sizing down, I think is um, the safest option um, for my book. That's the two points I want to add there for, for trading this week if you are going to trade. I like it. Don't fight the trend. What else from you, Kay? I think uh, you guys just covered everything. I totally agree. I think if you are trading, uh, keep your uh, keep your do a good risk management this week. Um, if you identify what kind of a trader you are, if you like momentum, then this is a week that you will love, right? You you like volatility, this is the week you will love. If you're not, uh, definitely you know sitting on the sidelines actually is not that bad. You can just you know get some popcorns and see the four, five days of trading and just save that cash for next week yeah absolutely i love it so hey everybody have a great week trading uh sean k appreciate your time again this week it's been good i've learned a lot and uh we'll do it again next week same times well depending on your time zone but yeah roughly same time definitely same day (laughs) (laughs) thanks thanks guys